All right, guys, welcome to the second episode of the Phoenix Group Roundtable. This is JT Bell here with Charles Perrick again. Um, on the first episode, it was more a high-level overview. We were just kind of setting the stage for why we're doing the podcast, et cetera. Uh, and now we're going to kind of dive in a little bit more to some specific topics. So today's topic, we wanted to specifically cover... Um, how to, if you're an advisor out there with an enforced block of premium finance cases, what's the best way to, to manage the renewals, to handle the client relationships, to avoid disruption and problems? Um, we have a lot of these on the books and uh, we've kind of seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we wanted to give some best practices on how to kind of get ahead of some of these things um, and a little glimpse into what we do behind the scenes because. Uh, we do a lot behind the scenes and a lot of it you guys don't know about, uh, which is a good thing, um, but just share a little bit insight into what we do. Yeah, and what inspired this this particular topic was we had a couple of premium finance renewals that came up and they were combo designs. And what I mean by that is there was an existing life insurance policy, non-financed. The client was putting in, we'll just say for my example, $50,000 a year out of pocket and they used it for collateral because it had substantial cash render values. And then we took the 50,000 and we used it for the new premium finance designs. So now we have two policies that are involved with premium finance, but both have different segment dates. And so what ended up coming up was we needed the segment to hit for the non-finance policy so that we could use it for collateral. And we'll go through some of the, the things that happen in the background for that. But the long story short is the bank had their handout looking for additional collateral and we're sitting there waiting for the non-finance policy to credit. So it was a timing game and upfront, it doesn't sound like that would be that big of a deal, but it actually does turn into quite a big deal. And, you know, I think it's, it's good to point out and we try and do this on the front end as well, but these are very fluid transactions. There's uh, some timing elements that Charles alluded to, some interest rate movements uh, each year at renewal, et cetera. Um, so there's, uh, it's, it's super important to convey to the client at the point of sale and even along the way during interactions when the client's just asking a question or you know filling out paperwork or whatever um, to mention that, hey, you know, these are fluid transactions. Some of the rates change, the collateral change. We don't want them getting too fixated on what we call our premium finance spreadsheet page or summary page uh, and the numbers therein. Um, another important thing is the, as I mentioned, the timing. So if the client doesn't kind of do what's laid out on the premium finance spreadsheet page, we've had clients uh, wait and pay late, or they pay monthly instead of paying it all up front. And all of these little things combine to complicate the transaction. So again, it's important to understand uh, you guys on the advisor side, what does my client need to do to match this premium finance spreadsheet? When do they need to do it by, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that JT and I always say when we're helping you guys do point of sale with this, is the client needs to understand and the advisor that the point of sale premium finance spreadsheet, not one of the numbers on there will happen. It's either gonna be a little bit higher, a little bit lower, but 
There's no way with the interest rates, with the crediting rates, and what the client actually pays monthly, annually, whatever they set out to do, all of it has to be fluid. And Charles had mentioned earlier the segment maturity. And just a quick recap, most of these products have a one-year point-to-point crediting strategy. And the question becomes is what is the starting date? And for example, Pacific Life, their stated starting point is always the 15th of the month. The only caveat to that is if that falls on a Saturday or a Sunday, you know, they, they'll go on either side of it to uh, start that segment date. But if you issue a policy on March 19th, that segment isn't created until April 19th. Now, another important fact is that from the bank's standpoint, they go by the loan date of when the client signed the loan agreement. That may not match up with the issue date of the policy, the policy date of the policy, the effective date of the policy, and the segment date of the policy. So um, the carriers use different terminology for those things, but the lender, the bank, only cares about the loan date. That drives the renewals. So basically 30 days before a loan anniversary is coming up, your client will start to get a notice, a packet in the mail sent to them, or a call from the banker or an email saying, hey, your renewal is coming up. We got to start getting our collateral in order. We have to order low point values from the carrier, which basically forecasts the policy for the following year at 0%. So they need that to determine collateral. We need to start looking at what the current LIBOR or base rate is along with the spread. That's going to determine what interest payment is needed. Um, So there's a lot of things that go into it that start happening 30 days before the loan date. Again, Charles had mentioned the segment maturity date, maybe three, four weeks after the loan anniversary date. That inevitably creates problems, if you will, because clients hate posting more collateral. They view it as an expense. I would argue it's not an expense. They need to kind of feed the beast and pay themselves into their own collateral account. But again, your clients are going to instantly see that as an expense because it's dollars flowing out of their Wells Fargo account into their collateral money market account or what have you. Then the segment maturity occurs three, four weeks later, and now we're essentially over collateralized. The client can then go to the bank and say, hey, I just got this policy credit. Go ahead and release that dollars $30,000, $40,000, whatever that interim collateral that they had to add to that policy. And as far as what's Bell doing in the background during that entire 30-day window that JT just described. So we're ordering the low point letters. And to summarize that, that's an illustration ran at 0% of what the cash render value could do for the year coming forward. So we order those. We look at what the interest rates are going to be from the lenders. Um, Depending on how long the case has been on the books, we will look at potentially looking at other lender rates for what's going on in the market. There actually has been some decrease in 
the carrier index rates. And there's been cases we've had on the books for a long time that we've had to switch carriers inside of this transaction. So all of that homework is being done by us in the background. And we're going to try to determine if there's excess or if we need more collateral. And to, to JT's point, I don't care what client it is or how you package it. If you go looking for more collateral, it is not a pleasant conversation to have. So again, just going back to, we really all have to be cognizant of what are these dates so that we can make sure that we time them correctly the best that we can. Yeah, and uh, a little bit more on our our processing in the background. Uh, as Charles mentioned, we're getting low points. We're working with the bank to determine what this coming year's interest rate is. Many of the loans charge interest in advance, so they calculate the interest on the money that they're going to borrow for this next policy year along with their current account balance. So we're working on getting that straightened out. Um, Bell has some internal kind of forms and tools that we do on our own. One of those we refer to as our snapshot report, and that tries to take some common items to give you, the advisor, some talking points that if your client hits you with some basic questions like, hey, what is my total loan amount right now? What is my loan interest rate right now? What was it last year? When was my policy issued? Just some basic things that we can get you in a simple one pager that explains those basic things so you can respond to your client intelligently on some of the basic things. We also have kind of a flex section or note section for things that don't fit into the pretty box of that page. So for example, you might have four different index subaccounts that you've chosen to allocate to. They all may have different segment maturities, so it can get a little convoluted. But again, the purpose of that form is to lock in the high points and the static data, and then to leave some room for the flex points uh, where we can subjectively add some stuff in there as well. So a lot of what we just mentioned that we're doing in the background our, our competitors, if you will, they will charge a case split and it's anywhere from 20 to 50% of the case. And so it's something just to, to keep in mind because what we're talking about is having an in-force block of book of these premium finance cases. If you get, say, five, 10 of these going on and you have all these different segments that are coming through, it's just, it, it's a value add that we're helping bring to your practice to make sure that none of these little things are dropped during the renewal process, because most of the time, this isn't one of your top clients, this is your top client, or at least your top five. So we wanna make sure that we're, we're handling a golden egg here and we don't drop it. And that that's why it's so important that we work well together on these because these cases are fantastic, they're good for the clients, but everybody just needs to stay fluid through the process there's a lot of moving parts. And again, on, on those all important segment dates, I had mentioned Pacific Life does uh, the 15th of the month. Uh, Minnesota Life, our Securian, does uh, the third Friday of each month. So they did that so they don't have the Saturday, Sunday problem that Pack Life has. Um, Allianz is 
potentially one of the most advantageous in this regard, their policy issue date is the segment date. So with Minnesota and PAC, you're almost always going to have a timing issue. With Allianz, they actually credit on the policy date. Now, assuming that your loan date matches up close or on the same day of the actual policy date, now all of a sudden we're bringing together all those dates much closer than PAC, for example, which could be a month apart from some of those items. So uh, we'll see crediting on Allianz typically sooner to the loan anniversary date than we would with some of the other carriers. Another product feature with Allianz that we had mentioned was their newer product and newer sub-accounts have the ability to lock in interest credits uh, throughout the year. So you can lock it in once per year. So if you're up you know, 7.9% and it's four months into the one-year segment, you can lock in. It still won't credit until that anniversary, eight months from when you triggered it, but you uh, will know with certainty what crediting is going to hit. So that's just another kind of niche or feature of Allianz that's important for these these deals. Um, Another uh, key topic or, or thing that's worth mentioning is the, we have a disclosure page uh, that we use selectively. We kind of make it available to our advisors. It's typically more on the front end, but it all goes back to setting client expectations. And we usually have them initial or sign that one pager, but there's basic disclosures like, I realize that my collateral may go up or down and differ from the spreadsheet presented to me. I understand this is a long-term commitment and I can't just change my mind one day. Um, I understand interest rates will fluctuate each year. Um, I understand if I miss a payment or I don't pay on time, it can affect values in the near term and the long term. I understand that cap rates and participation rates can change on my policy. Super basic stuff like that. But what's good is if you want to get a form like that signed and keep it in your file, I always somewhat tongue-in-cheek say when your client has amnesia at the first renewal and the second renewal and the third renewal, you can go back and physically pull out that form when he starts saying, what do you mean I need more collateral or what do you mean my interest rate changed? So uh, we'd be happy to chat through uh, and show you that disclosure form again, more on the front end uh, so that you don't get into a a sticky situation with your clients uh, at renewals. Um, So I think Charles had uh, one other thing he was going to add here and uh, I'll let you cover that, Charles. Fantastic. So our next podcast will be in March and we're going to be going over the life audit in force policy reviews. And this has been one of the most exciting things that we've done uh, at the end of last year, beginning of this year. And simply put, we're taking clients policies and we have an audit program that we're lining up. Here's what they originally had bought a policy to do. And here's what we might be able to enhance it with some of the new features, be it long-term care, Um, different riders that have become available, different index options. So all of that combined is what we're going to cover on the next 
podcast, and I think you guys will really like it. And as far as when the rubber meets the road, these cases a lot of times can get into the large six figures and are ones that your client has already bought into. So it makes a lot of sense to go back to those clients and see if there's a way to improve upon what they originally bought. And our partnership with Ash Brokerage, they they do a ton of this. They put a lot of time and energy into a very professional uh, output. So we can do it as simple and as straightforward as a one-pager that we might do, or as comprehensive and more professional appearing as a full-blown output or report uh, using um, kind of the Ash format that us and you guys have access to. And before we break, I wanted to go back again uh, to one other comment uh, note that I had regarding um, the the segment maturity and the loan renewal themselves. So if you know the banks won't typically wait around until a credit is occur, they don't really care that your credit, your segment is maturing in three weeks or four weeks due to the timing that the carrier has. They have a loan date and you owe them money and they look at the current cash surrender value. They don't know with certainty that this credit you think you're going to get is actually going to hit. So it's important. It's super important to understand that your client has to perform on their note, their loan, regardless of what may or may not happen two, three, four weeks down the road. And I wanted to also touch on if they don't perform or if they kind of stall or dink around on their end, not producing what they need to complete the renewal, typically on the loan date, the carrier, excuse me, the lender will send out technically a default notice notifying the client that your renewal date has come and gone and you have not completed your renewal per the terms of the note. They typically will give what's known as a cure period uh, about 15 calendar days to cure whatever the deficiency is. At that time, if they still haven't done uh, and, and got the renewal done, then they could potentially pull and surrender the policy because the lender has that collateral assignment and they would retain the cash surrender value and retain any pledged collateral. None of us want that to happen but I want to stress the importance and timeliness. The bank does not mess around with these loan renewals. And it's our job and your job as the advisors to the client to explain to them the repercussions if they don't perform the renewal to their extent. So uh, with that in mind, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this session. Uh, as Charles mentioned, look forward to the third episode going over the policy audit process. And uh, we hope to chat with you guys soon. Thank you all for the time. Appreciate it.